welcome to episode 36 of the Shannon Plan, Merton Hanks, Funky Chicken. We are right there. I am joined by a different host today, Akash. He's, you know, he's on cruise control. He's taking the week off. We have a week away from the NFL draft. There's nothing else for him to talk about. I'm joined by Rob Guerrera. You all know him. Rob, what's going on? What's up, KP? Thanks for letting me pinch hit. No problem. Just uh, just don't strike out. That's all I ask. You got to make contact and we're good. Um, we are going to talk about a quarterback who has been tied to the San Francisco 49ers for what feels like an eternity now. Mac Jones from Alabama, who all of the pundits will tell you is a lock. He is the guy. There is no other quarterback that the team is interested in right now. Um, critical thinking would tell you otherwise. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the episode with another special guest, Steven Ruiz from For the Win. Good pal of mine. He, we are going to go in depth about just Mac Jones, the player. But Rob, we have to talk about Mac, like just everything else surrounding him because we're still here. As you hear, as you listen to this, there will be eight days left to the draft. And with that in mind, all of the talking heads are still telling us that it is Mac Jones. Let me ask you this. Do, did you believe it was Mac Jones on March 26th, March 27th, after you've had time to digest the trade? Um, not a month later, three weeks later, do you still buy that it's Mac Jones? The second they made this trade, I knew it wasn't Mac Jones because you didn't have to move up. You didn't have to move up this high, especially to potentially get Mac Jones. When you give up as much as they gave up, it's just it's not going to be the guy with the skill set that Mac Jones offers because it's just not what you move up to three to get. So we did not want to do an episode about Mac Jones because we did not feel like he was going to be the pick. Didn't want to waste time. But the real reason we're talking about it is because there is always a chance. And at the same time, you know, we have to cover Mac Jones because he is one of the options. And Kyle Shanahan did say he is a legitimate option. So with that in mind, that is why we were here. If you were to make a pie and, you know, give Mac Jones a slice, what percentage are you giving him of a chance to be the number three overall pick? I can't say zero because I, I mean, anything could happen. Um, you know, maybe some crazy thing happens where somebody trades up with the Jets and they take Justin Fields and then the 49ers can't. So then maybe, you know, I'm going to give them like a, five percent chance but that's really just respecting the chaos that can be the nfl draft more than me thinking that that's where shanahan and company are actually going a hundred percent agreed and when i first saw the trade i did the pie and sliced up the pieces and i gave jones a 15 percent chance and that was when it first went down when we're being you know bombarded left and right it's jones it's mac it's this it's that today i'm down to like three percent it I just don't see it happening. And again, for a lot of the reasons that are being discussed, for what you just said, if you were to go down a li- the draft order, where are you slotting Mac Jones in after number three? Because Atlanta, it seem, they seem to be all in on Trey Lance. Their NDSU had a guy, uh, I forgot who it was specifically, but he went on 95.7 the game and he talked about how They've been sniffing around North Dakota State, the Falcons have, and there's a lot of interest in Trey Lance. After you get there, it's just teams hoping that Justin Fields slides, which makes a lot of sense based on everything that we've heard throughout the draft draft process. 
hoping that, you know, he's a one-read quarterback. He can't do this, uh, whatever it may be. If you've watched any snap of Justin Fields, you know that's not true. But it always comes back to propping another guy up so another guy could fall. In this scenario, though, why do the 49ers feel the need to throw out smoke screens? Why can't they just tell us, hey, we're drafting Mac Jones? Hey, we are going to do this knowing that they've probably had conversations with Robert Sala, who just spent time in San Francisco multiple years and has known Kyle Shannon for a long, long time. The only thing I can think of is that maybe the Niners are like, look, it's 99% sure that we're going to get the guy we want. But there is, I mean, there is a chance it's possible that maybe a team trades up with Atlanta to get to four, right? And then they make a move with the Jets to get to two. Maybe they like double up and they offer the Jets some sort of crazy thing. I, I don't know. It, it seems crazy to me because the amount of ammunition you'd have to get to move up twice seems pretty high. But that's the only thing I could think of because that's the only way the 49ers do not end up with Justin Fields. So I guess they're planning for that. Or maybe they just sort of like the idea that no one knows what the 49ers are going to do. To me, it would have to be some type of high school drama where uh, Mike LaFleur is so mad because he wasn't able to call this one play from three years ago. So he is going to trade up with a team that wants to come to number two after telling Kyle, hey, we're going to take this guy. No, you can come up and get him. Like Those are the extreme outliers, just crazy thoughts that for this to happen. And I just don't see that happening. So again, here we are discussing Mac Jones. Um, Alabama, they are a great, great program, great coach great players, the surround, like for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like there are the same type of discussions surrounding Mac Jones when it's a guy like Justin Fields or even Trevor Lawrence, whoever it may be. Again, I always come back to where is he going to go outside of the 49ers? Um, Let me ask you this, just getting back to Mac Jones and the 49ers. Why do you think that they are pegging him to Kyle Shanahan so much? In your opinion, why is it such an easy comp? I think it's because there is, I don't want to say an East Coast bias, but, but you know, you hear that growing up. I worked at ESPN for years, and I can tell you, I don't know if it's necessarily a bias, but it is literally like things take longer to get from the West Coast to the East Coast at ESPN. Like stuff, the Niners beat guys will have stuff, and then like a day later, ESPN will be talking about that stuff. So it seems really weird. But this is the one story, Kyle, where I feel like I don't know what it is, but anybody that's like on our level thinks that there's no way Mac Jones is going to be the pick. All the national guys who aren't as, you know, tied in as closely to the Niners as as we are think it's going to be Mac Jones. And instead of those national guys having to fall back on the Niners beat guys to get information about the team, the Niners beat guys seem to be in on the fact that it's Mac Jones. Like they don't even seem to be where we are. There's such a weird disconnect with like the different pockets of this process. I've never seen anything like this before when it comes to the 49ers. Somebody is going to look very foolish in a week because there is a good amount of people who think it's Mac Jones. There are a good amount of people who think it's Trey Lance. And then there are a large portion of fans who believe it's Justin Fields. Again, somebody's going to look very dumb. I wonder who it is. And I wonder the type of backlash it'll face. We've seen some of them walk back over the last week and a half, 10 days or so, just because, you know, they were so dug in on the fact that it was Mac Jones. And now, well, the 49ers are a little more open. 
well, they're still making decisions. I've been told is what the the main word is. I've been told or reportedly they have not made a decision where that wasn't the case two weeks ago. And all of a sudden, this tight-lipped unit franchise who have never leaked anything, you know, because think about it. We got blindsided by a lot of trades that have gone down, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's Emmanuel Sanders, whether it is D Ford, whether it is DeForest Buckner. And even I'm sure there are smaller moves that we can mention. Now you are trying to tell me (laughs) that, you know, whoever's leaking this out did it for a reason and it's working. My (laughs) theory on this, the reason that we have spent so much time on Mac Jones is to not discuss the other elephant in the room who happens to wear number 10? How do you feel about that? It's possible. I mean, there has to be some reason for it. And I don't know if people just can't get their head around it. I don't know if they aren't listening to some of the things that Kyle Shanahan has said, which is weird because you've been pointing them out all along as he has said them. Like he is evolving on quarterbacks. He wants a guy that can overcome issues on the offense and go beyond the structure of uh, he has laid this out there for people and yet somehow they think basically a week before the draft the 49ers don't know who they're picking like every team knows who they want you know like the teams at the bottom of the first round obviously don't know who they're going to pick because they don't know who's going to be available but I guarantee you right now they have a number one on their board that if everything fell perfectly they could get every team knows who they're picking why some national pundits think that the 49ers don't at number three is crazy to me. The irony in all of this is that Kyle has told us who he's wanted all along and the signs have been there. We can tell by the body language of the players and Kyle himself on the sideline during the games that they've just been frustrated. I mean, from injuries, from, you know, the play, all of that ties in together. And then, as you mentioned, his words, Kyle has told us what he wants in a quarterback. He has said that I'm going to essentially I'm going to need somebody to bail me out. I need somebody when the play breaks down, because believe it or not, he's not going to be able to call a perfect game every game. Like if there are 60 plays in a game, there are going to be 10 to 15 plays where the quarterback has to do something. You have to elevate your play caller, which is why if you watch Mac Jones, those 10 to 15 plays that happened during Alabama, they are ugly. And if you were to just make a reel of those plays in each game, you would think that Mac Jones is not dry. Like it's 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 so bad where you would not want him as a starter. But again, we talk about, you know, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, the narratives. And I wrote about this on NinersNation.com on Tuesday. The narratives for this whole QB class are just out of control. Mac Jones is a pro-ready guy, even though he has not started as many games as other guys, even though he started the same amount as Trey Lance, even though he has lost multiple QB competitions. That's not pro-ready. I don't know how you can say that it's pro-ready when he runs a gimmick type of offense, whereas even if Trey Lance, he has the highest upside, just because he hasn't played doesn't mean he has the highest upside. The person who has the highest upside is the guy who just destroyed Clemson. That is the quarterback who has the highest (laughs) upside. Um, A lot of these are so simple, but we have been missing the point for over a year now, it seems, that it's not really shocking that we're still driving the same narrative that it's Mac Jones, number three. You know, we have for a long time sort of fallen into we've had like buckets that we put quarterbacks into oh if you're if you're a slow white dude you must be accurate but you must be really smart and pro ready if you're a mobile guy who's black well you have processing issues because 
I don't know, because apparently you just do like we have, have we put guys into these buckets. And I think we do the same thing with our sort of analysis. Like the Trey Lance thing is perfect. He has the highest upside. What, says who? Like, what is that based off of when what does he do better physically than Justin Fields? Like, I don't nothing. But yet we say, oh, he must have a high upside because we think he's really good, but he hasn't played a ton. And I, and me and Steven talk about this. I do think Lance has a stronger arm, but we're talking like by, if we're ranking, we ranked him, we're talking by like 0.3. It's not enough to where you're like, oh, that is a difference. Where I feel like when we talk about these quarterbacks, if you say that Mac Jones is the most accurate quarterback, which I agree with, and I would get on board with that. But if you said Justin Fields is, I would not argue that one bit. Because of that, when you say Mac Jones is the most accurate, other people take that as, Oh, Justin Fields must not be accurate. Right. Or a GM the other day on The Athletic, I believe, told, um, I forgot who it was, that Mac Jones is sort of a football savant as far as his mind works. He's a brilliant mastermind. Because, like, let's say that that is true. That does not mean the other guys are not. And that is where these stereotypes and these narratives derive from because Justin Fields had an offer from Harvard. He was an Ivy League kid. (laughs) What else do you need that he can handle a lot of information? I think that is the point that we are missing, where Mac Jones can probably read the hell out of a defense, can tell you what to do on a whiteboard when the score is 0-0, when everything is clean. But as far as giving him information, I feel like knowing Fields' background, knowing what he's done, I I would lean towards him even more. That's the thing. It is not either or. I thought that was that's a really good point. Just because one guy is something doesn't mean other guys aren't. And but we we have not gotten there, apparently, in our draft analysis to say that this guy has skill set a this guy has skill set a and he runs a four four forty, which is basically where we are with Justin Fields. And I don't want to like keep bashing Mac Jones, but it's just it is what it is. You have the skills you have and you don't have the skills you don't have. And Mac has some good skills and maybe in another quarterback class where they didn't have all these guys, he would be, you know, a higher ranked guy. But in this year, in this class, this is where he is. He just doesn't have certain things that other guys have. Yeah. I think that's important because we have to distinguish the talent that is available. And that is another reason why we can use critical thinking and come to the conclusion that it's probably not Mac Jones at number three due to who is on the board. If you were to ask anybody, I imagine, and put these three names on the board, Lance, Fields, Jones, let's say we chose, we polled 100 people. How many people do you think would pick Jones? Single digit, probably on one hand. Yeah, right? yeah cool. I would agree. So if that's the case, what are we doing here? Seriously, <laughs> what are we doing here? And, and again, and you're going to hear it in the, in the interview with Steve, we go pretty hard against Jones because we want to be honest about what happens on the field. There are plays, again, as we just discussed, where when it breaks down, it's not pretty. There are plays when he is on time and he looks great. But this NFL is not seven on seven in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Anybody can do that. The problem is he needs somebody to elevate him, and that's what we're going to get into next. And we are back. We are joined by a very special guest. His name is Steven Ruiz from For the Win. Steven, how are you? I like the very special guest introduction, although that could go either way. Like, that could be a bad thing, but I, I appreciate it. Steven, tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, yeah, just tell us. Talk to us. Uh, I argue too much on Twitter.com. 100%. That's what I do. 
I write about cartoons, Fox cartoons. I watch I watch film like 20% of the time. The rest of the time is spent arguing on Twitter. But now I'm an NFL writer for for the win. I like to think I write a, write from the perspective of the film guy and the stat guy. I try to mix those two, and I, I try to do my best at that. I don't know if I'm executing it, but that's the plan at least. Steven is a terrific follow on Twitter. You may have to meet him at times because there are <laughs> ever-ending threads. But the content is terrific, so give him a Appreciate follow. It. We are going to talk about a very popular quarterback. The only quarterback that seems to be worth mentioning these days because the best quarterback in the draft, Trevor Lawrence, an afterthought. But we are going to talk about Mac Michael McCorkle Jones from Alabama, who all throughout April has been you know, tied to the number three pick And that's why we brought Steven Ruiz on, because Steven has been watching him thoroughly this week. And as is the case when most people watch Mac Jones, they come away with some questions. So let's start at the top here. At the very beginning of April, well, the 49ers traded up to number three at the end of March. Since then, essentially, you name it, Peter King, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, even Ian Rappaport on Tuesday – is on the pod, on these podcasts telling people that he's still not budging, that he thinks it's Mac Jones. The smokescreen is just – we're way, way beyond that by now. What I want to know is where do you think all of this started? Where do you think that it came from? I think it came from the fact that Kyle Shanahan has had a particular type of quarterback over the last couple of years. And I will say this, I think people underrate what Matt Ryan is physically. So they put him in that same group as like a Matt Schaub or Kirk Cousins or a Matt Jones. And they just assume that that's the quarterback he wants. And I do think Kyle has played into that because he openly professes love for, for Kirk Cousins. At least that's what the public perception was. And I think that it just logically made sense for people. And then he went to the pro day. He didn't go to Justin Fields pro day. I think they were on the same day or something. Right. And maybe people were just putting pieces together. And then you have Chris Sims who, I mean, Chris Sims is one of his best friends. They have matching tattoos and he just happens to like Mac Jones more than Justin Fields. So when he says, Oh, I think the 49ers are trading up for him. People kind of, I mean, you have to take that seriously because right. he is best friends with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, very normal to have a matching tattoo with another adult man. <laughs> um, college buddies. So that that is where it stemmed from. And th- once Sims did say that, that's when all of the talking heads began to really, really dig in on Mac Jones. But they're saying it with so much confidence. And that's what's getting me because, as you mentioned, Kyle Shannon did profess his love. The last time we spoke, the last time he had a media availability, Kyle Shannon went out of his way to tell us that he loves Kirk Cousins. I don't know if that's him just continuing to throw curveballs, but – The 49ers have been lying to the media for a year, it feels like, and lying to the fans. And we continue to eat it up. Everybody eats it up because instead of we don't have anything else to say besides what else are they supposed to say? But their actions, I think, have spoken louder than their words because you are in no way do you trade the draft capital that they did for a player who is, you know, Matt Jones. And and what we want to talk about is the player himself. So as you've been watching him, um, the first thing you have to notice is the talent that he has around him, which is unreal. Uh, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, probably two of the best receivers to come out in the past couple of years. 
And obviously that's whatever you think of Jamar Chase. We're talking about two legitimate, legitimate prospects. And he had two other first round receivers that he was able to play with last year. How much does that go into effect when you're watching Mac Jones, the player? I think the receivers matter most when you're talking about accuracy. And that's a big thing for Mac Jones, right? He has great ball placement, great accuracy, elite accuracy, some might say. The people that are really hyping him up. And for me, it just makes it so hard to gauge whether he's accurate or not. Like, I, there was one play that I pulled from when I was watching. I, I forget what game it was, but it was one of those NFL receivers, like, just smoked a corner on a double move, wide open, down the field. And Matt Jones left the throw short. Now, if the corner had stayed with him, I think it was a, a poorly thrown ball, an underthrown ball that we're saying, oh, that's a, that's a red flag. Like, he doesn't have the arm strength to make that throw out there. But since he's so wide open, he has this – huge margin for error on a lot of his throws it's not just this one throw where it's hard to really gauge whether his placement is good or and I don't know maybe he just sees the guy wide open and he leaves the throw short on purpose because there's no point in leading the guy that's wide open but it comes up again and again like every time you watch him and like I would say his ball placement isn't that good when he is forced to make tight window throws and those receivers are making just ridiculous adjustments to the ball and making tough catches that 90% of receivers wouldn't make. So that's where I think that's the biggest impact is the accuracy thing with the receivers. No, that's a good point when you bring up the receivers because think about who these receivers are. He can throw the ball anywhere within like a 10, 11, 12-foot radius probably of Devonta Smith, and he's going to catch it. Like he is that good of a player. Like he has that type of catch radius. And Jalen Waddle is no slouch when it comes to jumping either. So the both of them are able to go – and just contort their body in all different types of ways. But I do think it is you have to give Jones credit to giving them a chance. And, yes, he does leave the ball short. Yes, he does leave, does leave the ball inside on some of these throws. But there are enough throws, at least for me, to say he does – I mean, I don't know about you know special or elite, but he does have very, very good accuracy, in my opinion, to – and I think it says something, and one of the reasons that I would say that maybe Shanahan is attracted to him is because the current quarterback does not really let it rip and give his guys a chance, and that is not an issue with Jones. Do you see that with Mac? No, I think he's willing to throw the ball. The one issue I will say is he lets bodies around him affect him a lot. And you'll see this on on plays where the defensive line and the pass rush doesn't even contact him. Like, they, they fall in front of him. There's a play against Tennessee – that was almost intercepted where like two Tennessee guys come in, they fall. Jones lets it affect him too, way too much. And he leaves a throw inside Tennessee guy drops an interception, but that happens a lot. Like he's reacting to pressure that just isn't there, which like I always, when I think of Jimmy G in the pocket, I always think of that one play. I think it was last year where he, he like spin like three times in the pocket. Now it's not that bad for Mac Jones, but there are those things. And when you're selling yourself as a pocket <laughs> quarterback, like for me, you have to – I have a high bar for you in the pocket. You, you, Your pocket management better be elite. And for him, it's just not – I don't – like I honestly don't think he's that great at managing the pocket. I, and I think it affects his accuracy at times when he when his time and space is limited to make a throw. And I think you could say the same thing about Zach Wilson. The accuracy isn't as special as it is when he's when he has just a wide open pocket to throw from. No, I, I think this, the point about space is a great one, and that is – probably the reason that he's not going to be, you know, in the upper echelon of quarterbacks, because when he has like, when there is any side of the opposite color, he cannot wait to get out of the pocket. He cannot wait to leave. And obviously he doesn't have the same type of athleticism as these other quarterbacks or the same arm strength. And because of that, he has to overcompensate. 
He loses arm strength. He loses accuracy. And then it just all goes bad. So I think in that little five by five square, he's good at, you know, maneuvering around. But once, you know, there's a, the sight, like an instant flash of color, it just all goes bad, which would scare me for a quarterback who you are taking in the first round. And again, we are talking about a team who traded multiple first round picks where I just, you have to think that they've seen these because for whatever reason, we're glossing over the bad plays from Mac Jones. We only show, as we've talked about, like three or four of his good plays where, and there, there are more than that, but there are so many plays out there in each game, whether it's Arkansas, whether it's Kentucky, where he's just not reading underneath defenders. And it, a lot of times he was very lucky, very fortunate to not have, you know, uh, more interceptions. But again, all you see is touchdown to interception ratio. You see completion percentage reference. You see just box score stats. And you have to just cross your fingers and hope that the NFL, or in this case, Kyle Shanahan, is a lot smarter than that. It's it's almost like when you're watching his film, like you're watching a highlight video. And not because of him, just because of the situation around him, where you can only really find like five situations where he could actually screw things up. And I'm going to tell you, like 80% of the time, he finds a way to screw things up. <laughs> and he's a quarterback that finds a way to turn a bad play into a worse play. Like if there's a free rusher, he'll there's no way he's getting the ball around the free rusher. The guy's tipping it every time. Sometimes Mac Jones will fumble it. He'll get hit and fumble. Sometimes he'll throw a pick. It'll get tipped and picked. But you watch like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields deal with a free rusher, like especially against college athletes, they always figure out a way to at least salvage a play. He finds a way to make the play worse. And that's like a little Daniel Jonesy to me. Oh, boy. That's a, that's a name right there that nobody wants to be associated with. So no, that's, that's an insult to Daniel Jones, by the way, me comping him. I think Daniel Jones is a lot better than him. But oh, I wow. I think I would take – so I, I imagine that just has to do with mostly athleticism? Yes. I, I think Daniel Jones is just more talented than him across the board, actually. But who, who I, would you take on the Giants right now? Who would be better for the Giants, Daniel Jones or Mac Jones? Daniel Jones. I, I, I really think he's – I was higher than most on Daniel Jones. I didn't think he was good, mind you. I thought, like, he like if everything goes right, he could be a decent starter in the NFL. And I think he's on that track maybe. Mac Jones, I, I think, like, every single thing has to go well. He has to have a great team around him. He has to get the right development. He has to get the mental reps that quarterbacks don't get anymore. Like this right. isn't 2000 anymore when Tom Brady can practice however long he wants. So, yeah, I, I think it's a stretch to even say that Mac Jones will get to where Daniel Jones is right now. And I know I'm higher on Daniel Jones than most, and I'm still kind of low on him. So you talk about just, you know, his receivers making plays for him. So 41 and four, that was his touchdown interception ratio, which is, excuse me, which is nuts. But we also have to go back to the mobility and then him messing up throws, like him finding ways to mess that up. There were, there were throws where I remember him in the back of the end zone against Kentucky, where he's uh, just running around a little bit. And Devonta Smith is coming on running on the back of the end zone. And Jones makes a throw where it's a touchdown but I imagine an NFL DB is able to break on that and, and you know, break up the pass and it's incomplete. But uh, there are so many examples when you watch the games where you mentioned um, if I just part of me wishes that you would have just wrote wrote down the timestamps of all these plays <laughs> because the public just doesn't see these throws. And for whatever reason, um, I, it just doesn't get brought up. And I don't, and you, you and I know that, or everybody knows this, that, you know, the biggest talking heads, whether it's Ian Rapport, Adam Schefter, they're just 
telling telling us what they're hearing. They're not actually watching these guys. But even the people that really do watch Mac Jones, you don't see the quote unquote bad plays. What I want to talk about is how so we dig into all these guys, Lance, Fields, but when it comes to Jones, we really don't. How come there is no talk about him losing a QB battle to Jalen Hurts to Tua? And he had to redshirt his first year there, which if you watch Alabama ever, there are true freshmen all over the field in there too deep. So if you have to redshirt, you probably are not, you know, up to the caliber of, you know, everybody else. And in this sense, the reason that he started this past year is because it was a true freshman. I imagine if he would have went back to Alabama, Bryce Young is beating him out. At what point do you trust a quarterback who has never essentially won a QB competition? Because this happened with the Chicago Bears a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think I think it, that matters. Like that has to matter. And the thing is, we the ironic thing is, we heard it with Justin Fields. Like people, I don't remember who said it, but it was maybe anonymous scout. But someone said the fact that he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm is a red flag. <laughs> where I mean, you got to at least look into the context of what happened there. I believe your friend. But, I mean, he Justin Fields technically left because a baseball player said a racial slur directed at him during a football game. Like, that's the reason he left technically. But with Mac Jones, that's it, that wasn't a situation. It was just that he wasn't better than two. I don't think he's better than two. And I think there's some revisionist history there. Like, I've seen people say that this past year proved that Tua was assistant quarterback, which I think there's some merit to that. But I've seen people say that Mac Jones is better than Tua. Well, why didn't Nick Saban pick that? It's a great, great. That's the easy rebuttal. So you have a theory on, because when we talk about Mac Jones, his completion percentage gets brought up, pro-ready. Why do you not think that he is the most pro-ready? Because that's the label he's getting. And whenever it gets brought up, why are you going to take Mac Jones? Well, he's the most pro-ready. Why? Um, nobody has an answer for you. Nobody can ever answer that question. It's because he went to Alabama. He had great coaching, which Sark and Saban, yes, you had great coaching. But if you want to dig into the details, you cannot get anything further than, you know, the first page of substance. Yeah, I think the whole concept of the pro-ready quarterback is just backwards. Yes. Like, go to Josh Rosen. Let's go back to 2018. Josh Rosen was the most pro-ready quarterback in that class. And why was he the most pro-ready? Because he was billed as the smart guy, the pocket passer, the guy that can go through his progressions. He was the smartest guy on the field in theory when he was in college. When you have that mental advantage in college, like that mental advantage just goes away right away when you go to the NFL. You go from the smartest guy on the field to the dumbest guy on the field. And when you have to win with your mind, it takes years, I think, to get to that place mentally where you could beat NFL defenses with your mind. Whereas a quarterback like, and let me think, what's a good example? I would say Lamar Jackson, I, although I thought Lamar Jackson was more pro-ready, like even by the traditional sense than some of these quarterbacks. But Lamar Jackson, like even if his mind wasn't there yet, he was going to have that trump card where he can produce on the field because he can run. He's a special runner. And you don't even have to go that far. It's just any physically talent. Josh Allen, for instance. Great runner. They could run. The Bills can involve him in the run game. He had the powerful arm. You can get a useful offense out of that talent. Whereas with Mac Jones, if he's not the smartest guy on the field, then like, what do you do? Like, what are you providing us? Why are you here? Yeah. He's not going to be that guy from day one. One of the comps that I was waiting for you to reel off was Daniel Jones. That would have been perfect. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So yeah, 
you think about it, and we talked about this already, when the play breaks down, now what? What are you going to do? Because we've seen it, Ty, we saw it with Jimmy a lot, and we've seen it around the around the league where the play is going to break down. It's going to be inevitable. Kyle Shannon is not going to be able to call a perfect game. Sean McVay has a stacked roster. We've seen the last couple of years. That does not matter if your quarterback cannot produce. So in this scenario, I just don't see it with Mac Jones. Like he, again, I'm higher on him than you. I would probably feel comfortable taking him. Like if I were to draft him in the first round, it'd be at the end, like where the Steelers are picking, for example. Like that would be a good spot for him. Um, but we're talking about a franchise, the face of your franchise at number three. That's where you're drafting him to be. You're, you're, he is the guy. Uh, you draft a quarterback at number three who does not need any seasoning, who, who's just ready to roll right away. You hand him the keys and let's do this thing. When you watch Mac Jones, as you mentioned, we keep coming back to the same things where the play breaks down, where um, he, the arm, the difference in his arm strength compared to everybody else is just night and day. So if, if you let me ask you this, how would you rank Trevor Lawrence's arm one to ten? Ooh, uh, I'm gonna ask you what's it, what's what's Patrick Mahomes on the scale? Is, does Patrick Mahomes break the scale okay, or is so he let's ten? Say on a, on a scale of Chad Pennington to Patrick Mahomes, where does right, Trevor? So he, he, I would say a nine, nine and a, he can make any throw from right. any platform. Unquestioned. Nine and a half. Yeah. Um. So if he's nine and a half, which I agree with, like he's in like the Stafford range, right? Like if if it's even yeah. better than Stafford or Stafford Rogers, whatever. Uh, where does Zach Wilson fall? Ooh, I would say. See, he's tough because sometimes he has throws where it's like really, but then there's other throws where he he shows off the arm strength. I'd say like eight and a half. Yep. Maybe eight. Okay. Yep. I would go eight. And Justin Fields. Ooh, I, I'd give him a eight and a half to nine. Like, I think he's better than Zach Wilson. I think he has a more powerful arm. But I don't know if he has the arm talent of Trevor, if that makes sense. I don't know. Like, he's somewhere in the middle between Zach Wilson and, and Trevor Trevor Lawrence to me. I would go – so, Trevor Lawrence, I would go 9.5. That's spot on. I would go Trey Lance, like, nine. Yeah, I would yeah, go I Justin Fields. 8.5, 8.7, and then mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, let's say 8.3. Where would you put Lance? Uh, same as you. I would say nine. I would say right under – he's second under Lawrence. And that brings us to Mac Jones, <laughs> who we are talking about four first-round quarterbacks, and all of those guys have plus arms. Um, Zach Wilson's probably the least, but he does not have a bad arm by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Mac Jones, however – I would probably say like a six, six and a half. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, six and a half. I think because he makes some throws. He had some throws. He had a like a corner throw, I think, against Georgia. That was pretty impressive. But that's not like part timing. of the course. Yeah, and it's timing. Like one thing I'll say, and this is going to sound goofy, is look <laughs> up the – all these quarterbacks. I don't know about fields because I've watched – I've watched Wilson every throw this past weekend. I watched Lawrence every throw this past weekend. And I'm watching, I'm in the process of watching Mac Jones. And those three have all thrown flea flickers where they got the ball and they had to just catch the ball and just throw it. They couldn't step into it. None of that. Lawrence made the throw like amazing, like no issue at all. Shocker. Wilson kind of left it short, but it got to the receiver. Mac Jones, the receiver had a step on the the cornerback. He had to go back in front of the cornerback to get to the ball. It traveled like forty yards in the air, and I'm not exaggerating. I might be giving, I might be generous by saying forty yards in the air. 
Was that Kentucky? Because that sounds like Kentucky. Did he get a pass interference call? Uh, yeah, he did. I think he did. Yeah, that's Kentucky. I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Great call by Sark. Mm-hmm. You're in that shot zone area. Uh, I think it was like 40, 45-yard line. Get, like the timing of the play and everything was perfect. I think the receiver was open. Like that was a touchdown. And he laid it up, and it seemed like a punt where <laughs> – oh, man. Okay, we have poo-pooed on Math McCorkle. I, I Can I say one more thing? Games, please. Because we brought up, like, what happens when a play breaks down, which right. obviously he, he's not good at it, but no one expects him to be good at it. Right. Well, my thing is I don't even think he's good when that primary concept is taken away oh. and he still has time in the pocket. I don't think he's necessarily good at that either. Like, people – like, what is processing? What is your first read? Like, I, is processing him seeing the free safety go to the left so he throws the post to the, to the right? Like, I don't think that's processing. Is it going from – the wheel route to the, to the drag on mesh. Like, is that processing? I don't like, I'm not impressed by that. Like, but he has opportunities to get to his backside read in a tight pocket and he doesn't do it. So I don't even really see the processing thing with with him. And I've already said, I'm not as high on his accuracy. So if those are his two main selling points and he has no athleticism to speak of, like, that's why I'm like, you say first round pick. I think you're high on Mac Jones. Actually. I think he's a backup. I'm just going to say that. I think he's a backup. That is probably going to cause a lot of people to pull their hair out because they are seeing Mac Jones to the 49ers every day, and that is going to make them nauseous. Um, in my so when I say a late first rounder at the end of the, you're not going to take a quarterback in the second round. That's you just right. don't do that. So if if we're slotting them anywhere, it's essentially first rounder bust. Since I think he's a starter, I, I'm not going to say, oh, I'll take him in the second round because just look at the quarterbacks drafted in the second round they don't work out so um i do think he's going to start i do think he's going to win in the nfl i am higher on him than you i do think his accuracy will like let's say he goes to um let's say the carolina panthers steven oh, don't do that and in this scenario like he has dj Moore, he has robbie anderson uh r.i.p curtis Samuel should have brought him back but uh like, how would he do with those type of receivers? And that's what it comes down to, really, uh, his supporting cast. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, quote-unquote, it sounded like paraphrasing, he doesn't know where to go with the ball. Is that what you feel like? I it, With that offensive line in Carolina, where Greg Little is your left tackle starter, as things stand right now, like, I think that's a disaster waiting. I think he has the – he needs the Shanahan offense more than the Shanahan offense needs him. Maybe that's where the projections stem from then because everybody's trying to find a slot. And you've seen this float around. Where would Mac Jones go if not for the Niners? And where would your answer be? So as you're going down the list, uh, Denver seems to be a popular team. People want to tie him and Belichick, but I don't see that at it's, all. It's the Jared Stidham thing all over again. It's oh. like these – and it's the same thing actually. Like the reporters were like, no, the Patriots really like him. And like everyone who watched Jared Stidham in college was like, no, they don't. We, we've watched Jared Stidham play. Right. He's not good. And like the reporters like, no, they really like him. And then, no, the Patriots didn't like him. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah, nothing that you really see what Josh McDaniels does kind of ties in with Mac Jones. I, I can imagine yeah. them loving Trey Lance, but not so much uh, Mac Jones, which again, so we're going down the line. At what point do you stop on Mac Jones as a fit? <laughs> and I don't know uh, where that is. I got to bring up the draft order. I don't know. That is a good question because I don't think – like the things – the teams that make sense are in terms of range, like the Panthers, the Broncos. 
I don't think he's a fit at all, to be honest. Like, I don't see him as a – I know he gets, some people might bring up Joe Burrow, but I think Joe Burrow is way better at quick game because quick game for Alabama – Alabama didn't have quick game. They had RPOs. Yeah. They didn't have quick game. <laughs> I mean, their quick game was like – it was like mesh was like their one quick game concept they used all, over and over again. But it was a lot of play action deep shots. Like yeah. It was almost like Tennessee's offense, the Titans' offense this past year. And I – I mean, I don't know. Like, I would, I would say one of the Shanahan tree guys, but some, most of them have quarterbacks, or they're going to be drafting before that. So you mentioned Burrow, and if you remember Burrow, he had to dance around a lot of defenders in college at the LSU. So he was making guys miss often, and he was he never really crumbled under pressure to his credit. And he, okay, since we're here, better arm, Mac Jones or Joe Burrow. <laughs> oh man, you're trying to get me in trouble. I uh, I would just say that's a tough one. I would. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Joe Joe Burrow just because I think he can make off platform throws better. Like I don't think his arm is as strong as Mac Jones, but I think his arm talent he has more arm talent. Like he'll okay. get the ball there more often. So I I would take Mac Jones in this scenario, but as a quarterback, I think Joe Burrow is you know superior just because of what he can do in the pocket, and he just does not seem to be phased by pressure at all. It's almost like he's blind and he's obnoxious to it, which <laughs> is why he's probably going to play for a while. But still, um, the superior like the traits, a quarterback traits, you would take Burrow every day of the week. Um, going down to the rest of the draft order, though. Yeah, I, I don't know where you slot him in at, uh, wh- what you would do. Like, does he back up Kirk Cousins for a year in Minnesota and run the Kubiak offense? Where, where, does, he, where does he go? So to answer the question, I think this, this kind of narrows it down where you're just not going to take him where the 49ers are selecting. So despite everything you have heard, fret not, probably not going to happen. Let, uh, let me throw out two teams. Please. That- one, I think the Raiders might convince themselves to take him. Oh boy, Johnny! Just because they're the Raiders, but I like—I haven't heard this team mentioned with him at all. But what about the Titans? So because- Arthur Smith play action shot, and Arthur, Arthur Smith's not there. But you have to imagine since they were so successful, they're probably not going to change much. And Tannehill has, I think, two years left on his deal, and it'll be what thirty-four by then. Like, I would not be surprised if if Tennessee's at least thinking about quarterback, because if you look at that roster, I don't think that's a playoff roster anymore. It's a pretty bad roster. So maybe they start planning for the future. I don't know. I think that would be the smartest thing to do. I wouldn't want Mac Jones to be that quarterback, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they're thinking towards the future. So yeah, Tannehill is 33. He's a unrestricted free agent in 2024. So he is under contract for three more seasons and he is not going to be cheap. Um, so who who else do they have? They have AJ Brown, uh, Johnny Smith's not there. Corey Davis isn't there. Did they sign anybody? Not that I can remember. They have they have AJ Brown. They have Derrick Henry. Who who knows how long that's going to last? Man. The Running defense is pretty bad. Like there, I think like if Tannehill isn't the the analytical darling that he's been the, the last two years, which I don't think he's going to be. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they're blowing that up next year. Ooh. 
there's there's your Mac right there. It's going to be a surprise. He's going to go to some some team that we had no idea of. It's probably not going to be any of these QB needy teams at the top. Uh, I imagine he will slide, whether that's to Washington, whether that's Chicago. I just <laughs> if you're in their situation, I don't I don't know what you're expecting, but we have to be honest about these prospects. And in Mac Jones in Mac Jones' case, uh, you just have to ask yourself why, like what. What could he do to elevate your offense? And we haven't really spoken about a lot of positives. Steve, what do you think it would be his calling card at the next level? Uh, I mean, he's he's got okay accuracy. That's what I think. <laughs> I think he's a quarterback who's not going to – if you have an open receiver, he's going to hit the open receiver. And that sounds like a low bar for an NFL quarterback, but there's some NFL quarterbacks out there. Is it? <laughs> That can't that can't do that. So I think that's his calling card. But this is my challenge to anyone listening. Like, send me a play that shows why Mac Jones is a first round talent in the NFL. That doesn't include some oh, a receiver making a superhuman play. I haven't seen one yet. I might have to go back through Mac just to you know humiliate you. And we'll have a twenty three th- a twenty tweet thread because that is the only <laughs> way Stephen Ruiz operates. Steve, uh, Thank you for your time, man. This is awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Please tell our listeners anything that you want to plug and what your Twitter handle is. Uh, I want to plug my my podcast, The Counter. Charles McDonald's on it, Four Verts on Twitter, Chris Corman. I, I think we do a good job. And you can find me on Twitter at the Steven Ruiz, Steven spelled with a V. And like KP says, I I can't log off. I can't back <laughs> away from my argument either. It's just in my nature. I'm sorry. I think that's why I do this job. You are going to be forever arguing against people who just don't care about the truth. <laughs> just know that. And that's not going to stop you, buddy. But again, I want to thank you again for coming on. And thank you, listeners. Please always remember to rate, subscribe, review. You can also listen to The Counter wherever it is that you get your podcast. I have listened to that often. In the season, they are great. They usually recap what goes down during the week in the NFL. So it's always a good to get an idea of what's going on around the league. So thanks again, gentle listener, and take care.